1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: Playing
0: it along with the left. That's a grand slam. This is Sports Open Live. On America's sports voice. What's down? Kansas City. KMOX.
3: We continue on here on a Tuesday night, one hour down, one more to go. As always, if you want to join us, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. Uh, we talked to Lane Kiffin in our last segment. I just want to mention one quick thing because we got a text message, and um, the text message when we about Lane Kiffin said, this guy always leaves for the money, has no loyalty, but then again most college coaches don't i'm not saying you're wrong but let's take a step back and look at the entire like industry lane kiffen got fired at usc on a tarmac like he's okay so maybe he's always looking for more money maybe he'll maybe there's no loyalty there but there's no loyalty on the other side either that's the other side of this. Think about what he has gone through uh in his career because he's had some low moments and if if employers, if athletic departments have the right just to move on from somebody and that's that wasn't a cool way for him to be fired. When that went down at the airport when he was at USC. So I'm not saying it's right and I know the if I was listening to me right now, I'd say this guy's trying to uh to you know explain and, and justify college coaches moving from one job to another to another. That's that's really not what I'm doing. I think it's a problem in college athletics. In fact, we talked about it earlier with, uh, with Brendan Schaefer when we talked about the Eli Drinkwitz contract and how by Missouri putting in that clause that basically protects them that if he goes and takes another job, they're going to get a whole lot of money from wherever he goes to. Um, that's, that's kind of Missouri expecting that if he does get things rolling at some point, that he would try to find a better job somewhere. Missouri football is not a great job. It's a good job. It's a power five job. It's an sec job, but it's not a great job. I, I have a really hard time believing that Missouri is going to win a national championship anytime soon. That's just That's not what that job is. And if a coach comes in there and is really committed to Missouri and wants to stay there forever and ever and finds a way to turn Missouri into a big-time national power, then all the credit to them. And I'm not saying it's impossible. I am saying that it is unlikely. And being in the SEC makes that so incredibly tough. I saw a graphic. I think it was Fox Sports who put out a graphic. And it was the records of all the teams that had left the big 12 now it's it's kind of a it, it's it's grasping at what has been a bad season for a lot of those programs and some of those programs have had some nice years missouri has had some nice years as a member of the sec not recently but it hasn't been all bad but when you when you look at this year specifically And you look at Missouri, you look at Nebraska, you look at Texas A&M, you look at Colorado, you look at all those teams that have left the Big 12. Even look at the teams that are in the process of exiting the Big 12. Texas has been in the top 25 a lot of this year, but they have not been as good as they thought they were going to be this year. And Oklahoma has been a mess. They just now got bowl eligible when they beat Oklahoma State this past weekend. So there's something to be said about things are not always better on the other side, uh, but it just it feels like for me that with Missouri being in the SEC, it makes it that much more difficult for them to go play uh, at a national level. So again, that I wasn't gonna really get into that in this segment, but I saw that text message and I just I think you need to look at it from both sides. If we're gonna be critical of Lane Kiffin for potentially leaving a job for more money, Well, let's also look at what has happened in his career where USC moved on from him in a really weird time. And maybe we just have to accept the fact that coaches can leave at any moment and athletic departments can make the decision to move on from coaches at any moment. And that's the world of college athletics. And I'm a big believer that you stick with coaches. And more often than not, if you stick with coaches, if you keep something kind of the same, that more often than not you're going to you're gonna pay out dividends on that. Not 100% true. Not true all the time. There are certainly coaches who deserve to be fired, but I would make the argument that coaches get fired more often than they need to, and if you leave a coach in their position more often than – like they, they got to that spot for a reason. They've had success before. You get those coaches, and you let them do their job, and you let them stay there, and you let them feel comfortable – but at the same time, again, going back to that Missouri contract, if you're a Mizzou, you write into the contract basically how much money you're going to get, and it's going to be a lot of money if Eli Drinkwitz ever gets that thing going, and he makes the decision that he wants to move on to a uh, to what he would consider a better program. All right, so I just wanted to respond to that text message real quick. We'll transition to the Cardinals. Wanted to mention uh, there's been a lot of talk, a lot of talk recently about – the shortstop position and what to do uh, with that. Whether you stick with who you already have in-house because you have solid candidates who can go play shortstop, or if you make a run at one of these high-profile shortstops, that's out there. There's four of them. Uh, When you look at Trey Turner and Dansby Swanson and Xander Bogarts and Carlos Correa, in whatever order you want to put them in. In fact, I I saw a tweet today from, from Ben Hockman, and that's actually kind of what um, what motivated me to, to talk about this. So uh, Benjamin Hockman on Twitter quote-tweeted David O'Brien, who covers the Braves for, I believe, the Athletic. Yes. And David O'Brien tweeted out, St. Louis hasn't been mentioned as prominently as some other teams as a potential landing spot for Dansby Swanson if the shortstop does not re-sign with the Braves, but the Cardinals make a lot of sense for him in terms of their needs, his personality, team culture, the whole thing. So Benjamin Hockman from the Post-Dispatch STL today, I believe he's going to be on our program tomorrow evening. Yep, we'll have a Benjamin Hockman appearance tomorrow at 620, Uh, and I'll ask him about this. He quote tweeted the David O'Brien tweet and said, last year was Swanson's, and then he puts in quotes, big year and quotes his OPS plus of 115, says pass. Cardinals need to add a huge bat, a Scherzi seller, as he refers to him as. And it got me thinking a little bit because we keep talking about these four shortstops who could come in, and is Dansby Swanson really as good as we, as we make him out to be. I think he's a good shortstop. I think Swanson makes uh, the Cardinals a better team. I bet I would be a little bit more bullish on Swanson being a Cardinal than Hockman is based off this tweet that he sent out, and again, I'll ask him about that tomorrow. But I think the other side of this that's notable more than anything else, and we'll see whether or not he ends up re-signing with the Braves or not. What have the Braves been really good at recently? real best in baseball. What have the Braves done better than any other team in major league baseball? They have kept their own guys under contract. They don't let their own guys walk away. There is no team in baseball better than the Atlanta Braves. When it comes to that, they get their young players. They believe in them and they work out contracts with them and they stick around. Now, I'm well aware of the fact that they had uh, had contract negotiations with Swanson. So if Swanson wanted to stay a Brave for a long time, he had the opportunity to do that. He didn't. He decided to go into free agency. But if the Braves would have offered him a deal that he thought he wasn't going to beat in free agency or offered him a deal that was Pretty good, and that you know there wasn't going to be a whole lot more value to being able to go to free agency, he would have signed it. So there is something telling, there is something to be said for the fact that he um that the Braves have not re-signed him, that they have not been able to bring him back, that he is not for sure going to be with them next year. I have this sense that he's gonna be back with them. I I think they work out a deal. And I think he's back. Maybe he gets a sense of what the market's going to be. That, that's going to be the interesting thing here when it comes to the shortstop market. Because I said everything I just said about Dansby Swanson. And it's true. Look at Xander Bogarts. Bogarts was playing in Boston. Boston offered him a contract. He was offended by the contract that they offered him. I, not, not just not in the same zip code. They may not have been in the same country of what he wanted. The Red Sox are a pretty well-run baseball organization. Everything I said about the Braves just now—you don't completely say that about the Red Sox. But that's a—that is a competent organization, and they, when they've got players, they try to keep them in, and they're not going to—they—they they don't just generally let players walk away for nothing. That's not something they do a lot of. So it's—it's it's telling to me, kind of same thing that. Bogarts was offered a contract and he was borderline offended by it. Does that mean he overplays his hand? Like I've said, I'm not saying anything new here. I've said this over and over and over again. I just, I really don't believe that the Cardinals are going to sign one of these free agents to a long multi-year contract. Uh, You've got guys in place You've got Mason Wynn right around the corner, and I know you can't always rely and completely depend on what prospects are going to turn into, and we may not even see Win in the big leagues this upcoming season. This might be an entire year of him playing in the minor leagues, but he's not that far out. You're not going to go sign Trey Turner to a five-year deal. I just It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But is Bogarts the guy when you think about the fact that he was offended by an offer that Boston gave him is Bogarts. The guy that ends up kind of falling through the cracks is the guy that completely overplays his hand that while the shortstop market is moving this off season, whatever offers he gets, he continues to be offended by and eventually gets to a point where everybody has their shortstop and he's just hanging out there and doesn't have a gig. Is that, is he the guy that that's most likely to happen to because that's that's the scenario where I feel like the Cardinals are able to go get one of these shortstops, where they are just out there and for whatever reason, they end up not signing a deal. They, again, overplay that hand, and all of a sudden they're sitting there and nothing's available. There's not a team out there that's willing to give out a big money multi-year contract to a shortstop. Once that happens, if that happens – that's when i feel like the cardinals have a good chance of being able to swoop in, give that high annual average value on a one year deal, put some sort of player option on it that includes like a, a buyout so if the player has a good year, they can uh they can opt out of the contract and get a few more million bucks out of it and, and try to try again next offseason. I that th- it's easy to be most intrigued by the catcher's position right now, and obviously so because that That's the position of need. That's the position right now that if tomorrow was opening day, you wouldn't feel overly comfortable with whoever the Cardinals are going to run out there. Every other position, you would feel somewhat comfortable with who they had out there. So, yeah, catcher's the spot. But I will continue to be really intrigued to see how this shortstop market plays out. I just don't think the market's going to involve the Cardinals here for a little while. All right, uh, when we come back, we are going to talk a little bit about Guns and Hoses. It's taking place tomorrow night at Enterprise Center, one of the greatest events that goes on as part of the St. Louis sports calendar. Really special night. We'll discuss it coming up in just a moment. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours,
3: Sports open line continues here on KMOX in about uh, a little bit less than 15 minutes. We are going to be joined by Stu Durando of the Post Dispatch and STL Today. Talk billikens basketball. billikens back at it tomorrow at night when uh, they play Paul Quinn College. And NAIA school tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, at uh, Chaffetz Arena. Also coming up tomorrow night at Enterprise Center, one of the biggest events each year in the St. Louis Sports Calendar, raising a lot of money for the Backstoppers, which is just an amazing organization. Um, It's the night for uh, Guns and Hoses, where... Uh, you have St. Louis area firefighters, St. Louis area police officers, uh, boxing against each other, and uh, just all one of the coolest events that takes place on an every year basis. And with that, we are going to go to the Quiver River Guest Line. We're very happy to uh, welcome on somebody who is a big part of putting together Guns and Hoses, part of uh, the leadership team, and does a lot uh, just to put that together on an every year basis. He also happens to be my uh, brother in law, so I'm very happy to welcome him on to the program. Again on the Quiver River guest line, we welcome in Sergeant Ed Fingers of the St. Louis County Police Department. Ed, always appreciate uh, talking to you. How are you? Not too bad, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, let's. Um, what's the excitement level? You guys are uh, just a little bit more than twenty-four hours out from uh, this thing getting underway for uh, everybody involved. What's the excitement level of this thing getting started tomorrow?
4: Well, I tell you what, the uh, the jitters for the fighters are probably. Uh, top of mind, but I know that the organization of Guns and Hoses and Backstoppers really looks forward to this. This is the kickoff to the holiday season, and uh, I will tell you that one of our uh, leaders, uh, one of the founders, Steve Holly, has a phrase that says that holidays cannot begin until the first bell rings, so we always look forward to that first bell kicking off the first bout of the night.
3: For people who don't know, the Backstoppers is an organization that uh, when when first responders uh, are lost, uh, they, they take care of uh, their families moving forward. This is a big uh, fundraiser for that organization. How much of what they do are they able to do because of this Guns and Hoses event?
4: Well, the Backstoppers have been around since 1959, and I know presently they serve approximately 95 families and i want to say about 80 uh, dependents so it's very important uh, for this event because it is the largest single fundraising event for backstoppers every year and uh, to this date i think we're just over 10 million dollars in donations in our 35 year well this will be our 35th year of giving to the backstoppers
3: so the uh, the schedule for tomorrow, bouts 1 through 6, 5.30 to 7 o'clock. I know that's going to be on Fight TV. And then uh, Fox 2 is going to take over uh, for bouts uh, 7 through 12. So if people uh, can't make it out, they can uh, certainly uh, watch it on TV or watch it on on Fight TV. But I assume that there are still uh, tickets available, and if people want to come out, they can uh, certainly do so? Well, there's actually an official
4: sellout at this point. Okay. Uh, we do have a handful of tickets here and there. Uh, and those are from our individual ticket sellers. I might have like probably 25 or 30 tickets left in hand. I uh, know will always come to the last minute calls where someone says, Hey, I need something. And we try to take care of them the best we can. Uh, the, the actual fight being on Fox 2 starting at 7 o'clock, I will have to tell you that we are now an officially an Emmy award winning show from our first year on live TV from last year.
3: Yeah, and I know our own Tom Ackerman is very uh, involved in that and it's uh, it's really cool. And so what that tells you, Ed, is that this is not just some sort of set up a camera and you know air like this is a legit thing and it just adds that much more to what is a really cool event.
4: Absolutely. The the number of volunteers we have and it is a completely 100% voluntary organization, so that I tell you the heart that goes into this, the people that actually spend their time and effort to make it the best show basically in St. Louis and it becomes the holiday party to kick off the holidays.
3: So I, I got to think like these, these, uh, these bouts, these fights that are going on, there's also a lot. I mean, obviously everybody's going out there and the idea is to raise money for, for the backstoppers, but at the same time, uh, these, these firefighters, these police officers, they're going out there and they are wanting to win.
4: Well, absolutely. Each person wants to give their best effort. You know, they want to bring pride to their your department. They work for the, you know, pride for their family. And I know that they want to bring, you know, individually all those things. But as a organization, they want to bring pride to guns and hoses in the efforts they put forward. And I can tell you right now, St. Louis and the backstoppers are the biggest winners from that effort.
3: All right. So I know I'm talking to a police officer, but I'll ask this question nonetheless. Uh, who tends to uh, come out on top at the end? Who is the who is the overall better record? Is it the police officers or the firefighters?
4: Well, I would have to say that the police officers have had uh, their fair share of wins. Uh, they probably edge out the firefighters over all over the 35 years. I do not have the official account for that, but there has been times where the firefighters have taken us for a two- or three-year run, and we come right back, and we end up taking you know, three or four from them. So they they, they do put up a great effort. <laughs>
3: Very uh, very diplomatic uh, on, on your behalf. all right, so what uh, for people who do have tickets, for people who find their way uh, to tickets and, and go tomorrow, what should they expect as they make their way into Enterprise Center?
4: Well, obviously, the, the, the excitement's going to be there. This is a little earlier start than we are used to doing over years past, where we started at six thirty, seven o'clock. So coming home, getting changed from their last day of work for the week, uh, getting out there getting dressed up in their best for the fights and going out and having a good time, a good family event. Um, and a lot, of type, a lot of people catching up over the years. They haven't seen each other, you know, in you know, 10, 12 months. This is one of those big events. They get a chance to do that. So everybody takes their time uh, shaking hands, giving hugs. And they, obviously in the day of COVID, you know, still giving those kisses on the cheek as they really look forward to starting the holidays.
3: The uh, website, by the way, STL Guns and In, It's not an, it's the letter N. So STL Guns, the letter N, hoses.com. And, and if, for, even for people who are not going, for people who can't catch it on TV, uh, there's certainly opportunity to go to the website and uh, donate money to just a wonderful cause.
4: Absolutely. We also have a telethon that will be taking place during the fight. Uh, so during live TV, we'll, we'll plast that number. Uh, with uh, some of our affiliates, and they will be able to, you know, donate over the phone if they want. As a matter of fact, I'll probably be on one of the phone lines myself taking those phone calls. But, uh, you know, we can take the credit card payments or we can give you an address or you can mail in a check. Uh, And, again, we have those apps where um, if you want to go online and make a donation, you can do so.
3: He is Sergeant Ed Fingers. He is also my brother-in-law, and I appreciate him taking some time. Ed, have a great event tomorrow night. Hopefully uh, Backstoppers raises lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of money. And uh, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time with us tonight.
4: No, thank you for having us.
3: Sergeant Ed Fingers of the St. Louis County Police Department joining us, talking a little bit about guns and hoses. That is going on tomorrow night at the Enterprise Center. Technically a sellout. Some of those ticket sellers out there still have tickets available. Doors open at 4.30. First bout starts at 5.30. The Fox 2 portion of the night is going to begin at 7 o'clock and will go till uh, 9 o'clock uh, tomorrow night. And, again, our own Tom Ackerman, part of that broadcast. When we come back, we'll talk some St. Louis at University University Billikens basketball. They're back at tomorrow for a matchup against an NAIA school. They welcome in Paul Quinn at college. Stu Durando covers the Billikens for the post-dispatch and STL today, and he joins us next. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX.
0: The Billikens play here. KMOX.
3: Sports Open Line rolling on here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauly. Tomorrow night, Bilkins Basketball. They are back at it as they are going to match up against Paul Quinn College. And so Paul Quinn is a NAIA school out of Texas. They're actually playing a team tonight. They're matched up against, uh, I believe it's North Texas that they're playing tonight. I saw somebody say this on Twitter. I, I should give credit. I don't know who said this. I just happened to see it. I think it was one of the Billiken uh, fit, like fan accounts. I'm not. I'm not sure. So I can't confirm this is true or not. But when people ask the question, "Why in the world are the Billikens playing Paul Quinn College?" Uh, evidently, according to this tweet that I saw. So I'm being totally reckless right now and repeating something that I don't even know is true. But evidently. The uh, head coach of the uh, Paul Quinn College also uh, involved in AAU basketball, so there might be a recruiting aspect to what's going on, bringing uh, this program in. Paul Quinn plays a bunch of D1 schools, so I think uh, they're able to uh, they're, they they have that connection from a recruiting standpoint because of uh, their head coach. But uh, maybe to get a more a little bit more information about that, and just talk about the uh, Billikens overall after uh, they go one and one in Connecticut at the tip off tournament. We're uh, very happy to uh, welcome. On to the program, uh, the guy who covers the team for the Post Dispatch and STL Today. He is Stu Durando. Follow him on Twitter at Stu Durando. Stu, thanks so much for your time as you join us on the Quiver River guest line. How are you? I'm
2: good. Thanks for having me on, Matt. So you just- um, and please do not please do not ask me too much about Paul Quinn because I admit I have not <laughs> I have not delved into Paul Quinn.
3: So I am doing the broadcast tomorrow on ESPN Plus the streaming broadcast and I spent yeah. the better part of this afternoon trying to find information about Paul Quinn College and uh, I was not overly successful.
2: Yeah, I I've done some some uh just a couple of searches for some things and yeah I have I didn't find my they're playing right now, I can tell you that. I don't know what they're doing but <laughs> Yeah. They're playing back-to-back nights, so that there's one thing that'll work to the Billikens' advantage.
3: And they're playing in Texas tonight, so they have to travel in tomorrow. So that's not going to be easy either.
2: Yeah, North North Texas, that North Texas team is usually pretty good that uh, they're playing tonight, so. Uh, North Texas is leading 36-22. There's uh, an update for you.
3: Okay. Thank you. We'll we'll keep people updated on <laughs> that as we go along. Uh you just wrapped up a uh, Twitter Spaces with uh you and Bob Ramsey, a lot of people able to talk to you about uh, Billikens basketball. How did that go? I don't know. I guess you'd
2: have to ask the people who were listening. I think, I mean, we we pulled it off without having any glitches. So um, that was a good thing. But, yeah, that's that's a fun thing to do. I don't know why I waited so long to give it a shot, but um, it it was good. I'll hope, hopefully do it like once a week or twice a week from here on out.
3: Very cool. The team uh, goes one and one uh, at the tip-off tournament. They lose to Maryland and, and lose a, a fairly one-sided game, and then they come back out. Uh, less than a day later and they get a win against Providence. I know a lot of the narratives uh, coming out of that game was they focused on themselves after uh, the loss and they put in a lot of stuff kind of on the fly. Well, what's your takeaway from kind of what you saw, the way they reacted to that first loss and what they were able to do a day later?
2: Um, well, it, uh, with about 10 minutes left, you, you know, had to be wondering because they were down 13 points or at some point they were down 13 points in that second half. And, it just didn't look like it was going to be a good weekend at all. Um, But Providence just, you know, from the eye test, was not the same team that Maryland was, at least in my opinion. And, uh, you know, I felt like they should have been playing with them and they finally did uh, kick it into gear and make a run at them and and, and get the win. So that's going to end up being a a pretty good win if Providence does some of the stuff that it usually does over the course of the season. Um, So the reaction I thought was great. And, yeah, the coaching staff tried to – tweak a few things because the defense has been uh, a little porous Given and um, rebounding hasn't been good and so on and so forth. And, you know, they did just enough to get the win.
3: Have you been at all surprised about their defense going in? You know, they had a couple players on the, the preseason, all defensive team. It felt like yeah. uh, th- they were going to be a really good defensive club. And obviously they still can be that.
2: Yeah, they, they, they can individually, they have, the players to do it. Yuri and uh, Okoro were both on the preseason all defensive team, so they get two out of the five spots there. And Travis Ford considers Fred Thatch, you know, as good uh, defensively as, as those guys. Javon Pickett is considered a super strong defender. So they've got a lot of good individual defensive players. They just haven't been a very disruptive defense, and maybe that's not what they're going to be, but they don't force turnovers, they don't create steals, and, um, Get a lot of deflections and just disrupt defenses, and so I think what they their defense has to be good by working as a unit and um you know not just individuals but working on all their team concepts to be a good defensive team because they're they're forcing like nine turnovers nine point five turnovers a game, which just you would look at that number and think maybe they're not a great defensive team, but individually they are, and they just kind of have to get it together as a unit.
3: Stu Durando covers the Bellicans for uh, STL today and the Post-Dispatch continuing to join us. Uri Collins named the uh, A-10 player of the week. Average seven assists. You look at some of his games this year, he had that 14 assists, uh, no turnover game earlier, then followed that up with 13 assists, 5 turnovers. Actually, in that game against Providence where he scores uh, 21 points, which is just one off his season high, he ended up turning the ball over uh, five times, which is tied for a season high, but uh, we're, we're, we're kind of picking it Straws. It's uh, he's putting together just a fantastic season.
2: Yeah, he's off to a, a really good start. He, the the turnovers, even though he has had one or two games where they've been elevated a little bit, they're they're down overall so far, which is a good trend because he was less than two to one assist to turnovers last year, which is not good. As you know, the assists were great, but the turnovers weren't so good. Right now, he's at better than three to one, so that's what you want. The, the unusual thing to me right now is that he's leading the team in scoring. Not that he can't score, but I, I don't think anyone would project um, that over the course of the season he's going to end up there. And and it, it probably would be better for the team if he was not. Um, if some of these other guys could do more of the scoring and Yuri, you know, get his ten to twelve points a game and and run the offense. But I think as, as time goes on, I think those numbers will change. But he's been doing a little bit of everything so far. Um, and I think one of the big things is that uh, keeping the turnovers down is so critical to him.
3: Four players are scoring in double figures right now. Collins is joined by uh, Gibson Jimerson, Javante Perkins, and Javon Pickett. How important is it for this team to have uh, the ability to have that many different guys scoring in double figures just in the sense that teams have a hard time really keying in on one guy?
2: Yeah, and even I mean a I would think will will inch his way up to double figures or close to it. I mean it's hard to put all five year starters in double mm-hmm. figures um on average, but um yeah, I mean they need to you know the one thing about this team that was expected, it was expected to be a high scoring team because they have uh potentially great shooters, they have very good mid range game with a couple of guys. Yuri's really improved in that regard as he showed against Providence. And they have a potentially um, impactful inside threat with Okoro uh, and Forrester. So if you can get three level scoring, you know and you've got this very diverse offense that can do a lot of different things, defenses you know keeps defenses honest, and they, they can't double people or um, focus on one guy. They really have to respect the scoring ability of everybody on the court and they haven't had that in recent years where you've got five guys on the on the court who can score at any time. So that if, if it, things continue to develop and they can play all these different areas well, um, the perimeter shooting hasn't been great so far. They're going to be really hard to guard.
3: Whether it's from a positive standpoint or from a negative standpoint, is there any individual this year that has really surprised you and has played in a way that you weren't expecting to see?
2: Hmm. Um, no, I I don't, you know, I would like to say yes, but, um, you know, Pickett, I think has been, he's not been a surprise because, you know, he's done, done it, did it for four years at Mizzou and in the SEC. Um, I think the one thing that kind of surprises his rebounding Now Travis Ford had talked about how they thought he could be a really good rebounder and keep saying that he'd be nice if he could average double digits in rebounding, but he never did that at Mizzou. He'll have one 10 rebound game in his whole career there. So for him to come in here and, and get, uh, I think he had 13 in each of his first two games and he's averaging 8.2 right now. That's a pretty good um, addition to everything else he does playing defense and um, scoring a little bit and so on. So he's been, um, you know, he's kind of like a Jordan Goodwin dash sheet stuff where he can get a lot of um, contribute in a lot of different areas and the rebounding is a, is a huge boost.
3: Last thing for you, they built a non-conference schedule where they could potentially put themselves in position for an at-large if they end up not winning the league. Uh, they've got wins against Murray State, Memphis, and Providence of note. Uh, they'll still take on a pretty good uh, Southern Illinois team. They'll still take on uh, a Boise State team, a Drake team. But do you feel like they're doing, they've are doing? they done so far what they need to do uh, in the non-conference to put themselves in that position, assuming they put together a pretty solid league year?
2: Yeah, I mean, ideally, obviously, you're undefeated at this point, which, you know, you're not going to do against this schedule. Uh, The Maryland loss is not horrible. Um, The way it happened may have been horrible, but the fact that they lost the game is not. Um, Auburn's going to be tough on the road. Uh, Say they lost that game. They still have a great chance to add a lot of really quality, like you said, non-conference wins, in December because um, at Iona, Boise State, Drake, Southern Illinois, those are all um, potentially top 100 uh, net ranking teams at the end of the season. And so um, that's four more non-conference chances uh, after Auburn to get good wins. So to be um, one loss right now I think is um, a pretty good situation for them. Um, If they could go into Auburn and steal a win, that would be absolutely massive. And so um, we'll know a lot more after Sunday.
3: Well, Stu, we appreciate your time. Encourage people to read you at STL today in the Post-Dispatch. Follow you on Twitter at uh, Stu Durando. Enjoy uh, Paul Quinn College tomorrow. Have a great Thanksgiving, and uh, hopefully we can talk to you again real soon.
2: Yep, real good. Thanks for having me. You enjoy Paul Quinn as well.
3: All right, very good. There's Stu Durando joining us here on a Sports Open Line. We appreciate him taking a few moments with us. Uh, one more break. Uh, when we come back, uh, there's an interesting story developing in the National Football League where the players are essentially accusing the owners of collusion. We talk about collusion a lot more in baseball than we do football. If you think it's not happening, you're crazy, But sometimes owners are a little too out there with it. Is this one of those situations? We'll discuss as we wrap up Sports Open Line. That's next right here on KMOX. Swing
0: it along with the left. That's a grand slam. This is Sports Open Line on America's Sports Voice. down, Kansas City. KMOX.
3: Just a few minutes left in the program here on Camo X. My name's Matt Pauly. If you want to join us, 314 436 7900. 314 436 7900. You can also tweet at me at Matt Pauly on air. Uh, I, I like the off field stories a lot when it comes to sports. Not always. Like sometimes stories are bad and. I'm in the toy department of broadcasting, but uh, sometimes stepping away from the X's and O's and looking at some of the bigger issues in sports is interesting to me. One of the things is here, and I don't have all the information, so it's hard to completely compare the two situations. But at the same time, it's pretty clear that what your win-loss record is can impact decisions that are made in the National Football League. The Arizona Cardinals have fired their offensive line coach and their run game coordinator, Sean Kugler. He had an incident in Mexico City on Sunday prior to the Monday night game. He did not coach on Monday night against the 49ers. He was sent home on Monday morning. I haven't even seen speculation. Maybe I'm looking at the wrong places. I haven't even seen speculation on what the incident was, but he was not allowed to coach on Monday night, and he has promptly been fired. So whatever, whatever led to it, uh, whatever happened led to him being fired uh, very quickly. Uh, there were some people out there on Twitter that were speculating about uh, what it might have been because uh, the Cardinals as an organization have been a team that at times have... Um, let, I'll read you a tweet from, uh, from somebody, a staff writer for USA Today who covers the Cardinals, uh, Chuck Harris, uh, tweeted out... Cardinals running backs coach James Saxon was charged with domestic battery involving children in May, allowed to stay with the team until it became public in August, placed on administration leave, uh, pled guilty on October 6th, and then was allowed to resign. So that's that's one backstory: the way the Cardinals have handled a situation, a bad off-field situation. And then this Sean Coogler guy, he was fired immediately for whatever happened to happen in Mexico City. So then you have that. And then you have the Tennessee Titans, who are a very good football team who are winning a lot of games, who once again do have a high expectations. Todd Downing, their offensive coordinator, after uh, their last game, was charged with speeding and also a DUI. He has been allowed to continue to work for the Titans. Their head coach, uh, Mike Vrabel, was asked about the situation earlier today and said, uh, speaking of his employment, said those things could obviously change. I want to make sure that everyone understands that. But right now, this is where we're at, status quo Downing was released on a $2,500 bond on Friday morning after he was arrested by the Tennessee Highway Patrol after the Titans had defeated the Packers 27-17 in Green Bay on Thursday night. There's also been a lot of discussion about whether or not there was alcohol on the airplane that was flying them back, and that's been something um, that has been discussed a lot. You go back to what happened with uh, Josh Hancock with the Cardinals and the way Major League Baseball responded after that and some other issues as well about whether or not you're going to have alcohol on planes, the rules about having alcohol on planes when coming back home as opposed to uh, when you're going somewhere, uh, alcohol being available in the clubhouse, things like that. Baseball's done a pretty good job of being able to uh, to get in front of that. So just a couple different stories going on in the NFL involving individuals, coaches, uh, high-level coaches, coaches who are really important to uh, teams and what they're doing, uh, making some sort of off-field mistake and how they are handled very differently. And not to be jaded, maybe I am a little bit, not to be totally jaded, if the Arizona Cardinals are sitting there with the same record that the Tennessee Titans have, the Titans are 7-3, and three. if the Cardinals are 7-3, and three, is Kugler getting fired? And if the Titans have the Cardinals record, the Cardinals are 4-7. and seven. If the Titans aren't a very good team, does Todd Downing get fired? And that's where things get murky so often in sports because nobody can tell me that. Now, clearly, there's, there's, there's things you can do that are so bad that it doesn't matter who you are who you work for, how good the team is that you work for, uh, yada, 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 that you're going to lose your job. But anybody who doesn't think that a team's record, how they're playing, the role that an individual has on a coaching staff or whatever else they might be doing, if you don't think that impacts these type of decisions, I think you're being naive. Wanted to mention one other thing. I'm kind of run out of time here on the program today, so we'll try to touch on this uh, coming up tomorrow, but we'll just mention it really quickly. Uh, the NFL PA they are essentially accusing nfl owners of coming together to not uh, to to basically have a handshake agreement on not giving out very many guaranteed contracts and that's the thing that's tough about the national football league you just don't have a lot of guaranteed contracts a lot of these guys end up never you know You sign this big contract, but then a year or two later, a team can move on from you, and you're not seeing much money. That's the difference between the NFL and other sports, where you don't really have guaranteed contracts. Uh, Reportedly, the NFLPA thinks that owners are colluding, and that would be illegal. Collusion is not legal. That owners are colluding to not give out many guaranteed contracts. They are. There's no doubt that they are. Owners in every sport are colluding. It's Being able to prove it, that is the big challenge. And the NFLPA feels like that maybe on this one they can prove it. It's an interesting story, and we'll talk more about it coming up uh, later on this week. But wanted to at least whet the appetite on that. For now, that's going to do it for this edition of Sports Open Line. Thanks for being tuned in. We'll talk to you again tomorrow here on KMOX.